Good afternoon, everyone. You all right? Hope you're good. Hope you can hear me. Let me know if so. You'd be pleased to hear we have a special guest today. And we have a special guest every single show this week. How cool is that? It wasn't intentional. Um, but yeah, that's uh, good news for all of you, especially because that's what you want, of course, the actual experts. And uh, we've got Gemma Oliver joining it once again. She's a returning guest and, uh, and uh, often contributed to the show. But we're going to talk COVID. And, uh, and she's someone that's certainly had a, a good influence on, on the profession and our side of the industry, I guess, in, uh, in recent times. And so I always want to talk about COVID and she hates the word policy, but we'll be talking about policy. Uh, she, she's loitering in the waiting room, so I'm going to bring her in in a second. I've just realized we were meant to share this into the COVID support group thing and uh, we've, I've managed to forget. And so if someone can, then please do feel free to share that into there. It's something that uh, we were meant to do. I noticed that Gemma's signal looks like it's not particularly good, but I'm going to bring her in and see if it's just my, my camera that's telling me that it's not behaving. But hopefully Gemma's here. Gem, can you hear me? I can hear you. Hello. Good. Yeah, I think it's just the computer that said your signal was poor. Yeah, it's gone now, green again now. So that's now good. your signal's green and, and, and better than mine. Um, so, yeah, thanks thanks again for joining. Um, I said to you that whilst I wanted you on the show, I also said you might only want to come on for five minutes because you might not want to be associated to my sort of rantings and ravings and stuff on a few things. And You, you kindly said that you didn't mind. No, absolutely. I think I can always... Uh always join in slash provide an alternative view which i think sometimes is certainly not a bad thing certainly not on these shows but yeah no i think it's easy just to sort of join in listen quite interested obviously always in what you've got to say to you so uh, yeah let's we can do this together no worries good well matt, matt says he's, we're actually streaming from the uh, play park making the most of it before lockdown yeah <laughs> yeah get your chance to you know lick the swings or whatever it is but you know whilst you, whilst you still can you know glimpse into your own place going, going cuddle, cuddle the elderly and all sorts no don't don't go do that that's uh, that's silly but uh, joe says yep i assume that's she's saying that she can hear us right now what i what i want to make sure we visit today is not just the what does this mean for msk and where we're up to and who said what etc but also i think it'd be smart if we could try and you know I'd, share our personal thoughts generally as to as to how these things are because it feels quite different and it's different in some relevant ways but we all, and we also don't want to be sort of cavalier and careless with the way that we say things but then equally i think that i think you've heard me say before that that too much too much caution is cowardice and uh, a sense of of diplomacy is smart but then equally if there's are things that we're thinking and not saying that sometimes that is a gap that people don't appreciate and so I'm going to start off by an admission from me, which I definitely, as I said earlier, I don't want to bandwagon you into, Jem, or anyone into. But it's just that, as people might have noticed on my social media, is that I listed a, n a number of institutions of which I feel have been incompetent in recent times in such a way that the way in which the public and myself included feel that they're going to go about interacting and, and even to some degree, although not legal, but compliance more generally or enthusiasm for things is that the coherence of the messaging over the last nine months, say, is something that is relevant to whether or not people feel that they can see an obvious and sensible exit plan. And that therefore, it's not blind conspiracy theory skepticism that's then meaning that people are just rolling their eyes in many ways and feeling like, well, there's just no this isn't a thing that's being asked of the public that makes sense as to the plan 
as it's been over the last nine months or what might be in the coming months in such a way that I am massively frustrated, not just as a MSK therapist and, and, and business owner and how it affects private practice, et cetera, but just how my behavior is going to be is, is going to be influenced to some degree. Yes, of course, by the legalities of, of lockdown, but also by the way in which my general read of the situation is independent of of the institutions of which our trust has been diminished on, including my own. And I just don't think that they've de they deserve our trust and, and respect in many ways. And that's been a relevant thing for me. For example, I'll give an example, and I'm just interested in your thoughts on this, Jim. Jim but I would say um, when I was sounding quite an early alarm and someone was seen as being a bit of a catastrophizer early doors, arguably, um, and we're, you know, getting getting some pretty stringent people saying that you're, you're out of your mind. You used to be rational, thinking that we're going to be homeschooling. Um, you know, they, they were, that's kind of where I was at. I was one of the people that sounded an alarm in February. But the nature of the key argument of making sure the NHS wasn't overwhelmed in, in, in not just COVID cases, but what that meant for even trauma care, etc., means that the, the heart of the argument was that. Now, that still applies now, absolutely. And I know that's at the heart of the rationale, etc. But we've not witnessed a sensible distribution of workforce. We've not necessarily seen people then identified as being where their skill set can help society the system we've not seen an appropriate utility of independent private practitioners and the way in which they can do it not just in an msk of course you've got community neuro and community respiratory therapists that could offer so much um, and that that integration hasn't happened right our administrative state for want of a better term has just not been able to step up in such a way and so for me to have been close to some things and more of a generalist in other things to witness that not happen that when we then start to sound what are similar alarm bells but we've not seen action that would make sense of this being any more efficient than it was last time it feels like groundhog day in such a way that i do not think it is ridiculous for us to feel that compliance won't be quite as nodding dog as it was initially and that you won't get me saying just grit your teeth and bear it quite like you were last time because i feel like the landscape has changed because we've not the, the, the faith in things being maturely and, and, and sensibly managed both politically and administratively through the health quangos etc i just don't have that faith anymore now jem what are your thoughts more generally and also you know feel free to pass comment on whether you think that that's actually actually I've, I'm, I'm being too defeatist and i'm being maybe you do think i'm a conspiracy theorist all this I think there's, um, I, I, I agree that I think there's a lot of things, especially from a communication point of view, that could have been done a lot better. And I'm really hopeful that it is the learning from this. I don't think that the private sector has been utilised in the right way at all. I think there's, you know, there's, there's a different podcast, but we could certainly go on about, you know, the lack of, um, you know, there's a huge amount of resources that we have within the private sector. And I don't think that that has been you know utilized at all well you know in a number of levels and maybe hasn't been for a long time but it's only when you come across something like this and it becomes very apparent that we, it's almost highlighted at how poor that is so i definitely agree with that i don't agree i haven't lost trust i am the opposite i think that um you know we're difference in the personality i'm a lovely yellow kind of green uh sort of type person but i think that we are in a better situation than we were in march 
I think that nobody, no, nobody back in February, even the government healthcare professions or anybody that governs us would have even imagined. I possibly think that that in November we were still in this situation and possibly in a worse one. You know, depending on what you thought is. So, I actually think that. You know, personally, I think that it's been handled okay. I don't think it's been done perfectly by any stretch of the imagination, but I also don't know in some ways whether anybody from a governmental point of view could have done any better. You know, we're facing a situation where we, we have never encountered before. And I think when you try, and you've got something to compare it to, then obviously you can say, right, well, no, last time we did this, and this time we need to do this, this and this, but we don't have that comparison. We don't have that ability to understand. And I think they're trying to catch up as soon as they can. I'm not sat here saying that they've done everything right. I certainly don't agree with that. I think the communication in some aspects, especially in healthcare, especially within the cross professions that we've seen has been very varied um and I think sometimes that's got missed I think some of the things that I've been a bit disappointed with is actually sometimes the simple things like communicating across if we think about our healthcare profession can be done very simply even if it's just a message of this is what the plan is this is what we're doing and that eases anxiety um, initially something like that is so simple and I think in some ways you know we get it we get it right and some groups get it right and some groups get it massively wrong and I think that has been quite disappointing for me now you can take that higher you know obviously from a public health England point of view and some of the lists that you mentioned online the other day um, that you feel and, and and you won't be alone in the fact that I think a lot of people will feel let down where but I personally don't know what else they could have done I think in this situation and, and and yes it needs to change there's obviously as I say you're not alone in that thought process but this is a new environment it's a new situation it's evolving all the time we're certainly seeing that it's it's now unfortunately yes entering a second phase which we all hoped it wouldn't but it is and we now have almost a second set of rules um and again like I said at the start I don't think anybody would have thought or even hoped or dreamed that you know in November we are not only not any not you know going into a second wave but it's not looking like it's ending any anytime soon now the way i choose to deal with that personally is that you know just to try and make the best of a shit situation and that's just the way i cope sort of personally uh, professionally it's the way that i try and sort of give support and advice for people that are struggling you know we have to use our common sense we have to deal with what's there whether we think it's right or wrong or we think it could have done better learn from it implement things to try and make some changes which some people like yourself and physio matters are doing but actually at the moment is venting about that going to make any difference is getting ourselves wound up about situations that we can't change going to make any difference and I think there's you know definitely discussions that need to happen but on an everyday basic practical level in a clinic environment if you're getting wound up about these things to the extent where it's affecting you physically and, and mentally is that worth it and I think that's kind of very much where I am right now with this second. yeah I think I think that's fair enough and it's certainly not what I want to suggest or even where I'm at personally I've got plenty of other things to do and plenty of things <laughs> going on at home for me to not need to sort of feel like I want to shake my fist at the world and, and, and be really frustrated about the whole large P politics of it even but I think what what I, I suppose where, where there does seem to be a, a, a difference in terms of sunniness over it between us is definitely where I'm uh, I'm frustrated it's certainly the the, the messaging isn't only a, a small part of it is that the, the way in which there isn't a coherent uh, acknowledgement 
of where things have been different to what we planned. It's not as if there is anyone that's going to be able to stand up. There isn't the leadership at every level of this. So that's why I don't just shake my fist at the highest point, really, with regards to the large politics of it, with my interactions with all the different agencies and arm's length bodies, as they're called within it. Health quangos is what they used to be called. It's just that there's no one saying this is this is where our analysis was 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 off last time, both in terms of its contagion, in terms of the numbers, in terms of how the virus behaved. This is what we've learned from it. This is how the 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 the, the improvements in how we treat both COVID and, and what we've learned from what we shut down too soon. We've not had um, any level of um, of acknowledgement that sending uh, the elderly back in, in, into care homes quickly, uh, even when they had COVID, was smart. You know, you've, there's just no humility. There's no sensible acknowledgement that can then help people to think, well, that's sort of how you'd want someone local to you to behave if they were to make mistakes or to acknowledge that there's been instances like that where or we overreacted in a massive way in thinking about the capacity that we needed right the nightingales were not nearly as full as we anticipated which is a good thing but this is what we learned from that and the reasons we think that that was off the reasons why we maybe uh stripped back other services too much and too readily there this is what we've learned and this is what we won't do again i'm not hearing that articulated anywhere at any level in part because and this is where it is sort of a bit a bit sort of big picture is i just see that the the, the way in which we engage with with society now through what our top how it's sort of dealt, dealt with top down is that we're we live amongst a uh, a situation where everything is spun right we, we're just condescended to even interprofessionally and this is where i do want to get stuck into the specifics of msk etc is that this is some i don't like it as an argument but this is this argument that we need to we need to create messaging that's you know all these things are slogans right hands face face protect the nhs save like everything has to be you know get brexit done everything needs to be sort of soundbited like that now I don't like that patronizing tone to, to deal with the, the nation at large by people that I have no evidence that they're particularly smarter than Joe Bloggs. But interprofessionally, that's what fascinates me, right? You've got this baseline of competence and qualification that comes from health professionals, right? How, is that, how are they being engaged with this? And it's similarly basic, condescending, spud, right? It's like we've never grown out of the Alistair Campbell style of, 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 of both politics and media messaging. It just seems fascinating to me. And so having not been treated like a, an adult human, never mind a professional one, for now nine months and for the uh, lunatics to feel like they're running the asylum at every level of analysis. Not doubting that they're trying hard, but despite their efforts, it turns out that we've not selected for particularly competent, brave, sensible people that can then be straight with us. And so having that happened is why I'm a little more pessimistic, is because why on earth would, if I'm, feel, if I'm feeling that, and I'm, I'm somewhat, I'm not, a, I'm not a tear everything down style of radical, um, and if I'm feeling it in, internally uh, within within a healthcare environment, I'm not surprised that Joe Bloggs is is frustrated about being locked up again because it's kind of like, well, why are we not going to just bounce in and out of this? Why is it different this time? I agree that I think I would love some more clarity about the exit strategy. I think I mean I'm hoping that you know that is that is going to come. I think my question to you would be that do you, you know can they? I appreciate that the messaging could be different. I think it needs. Um, clearer kind of right this is what we're going to do different this time I don't agree that actually you know I'm actually the opposite Jack I think that it needs to be simple messages although it's maybe cliche 
I like the fact that they've tried to break everything down because whether we like it or not, people don't take in information if it's given in certain formats. Now, even though some may not react to that, I think generally, psychologically, you have to break things down into a simple process and, for and format. And I do think personally that that is that is what they've tried to do and it, and it, it needs to be like that my other question to be you know how can they how can you expect them to turn that around within a two-month period when you know they're trying to react to this on a daily basis and i don't think that they do have all the answers which is why we're getting a lot of mixed messages i don't think they actually know what we did wrong or what anybody you know within those bodies of, of professionals has done wrong in the past few months so you know in such a short turnaround and now going into a second wave maybe they don't know the answers maybe they can't give that justification because they haven't got the answers and so the best thing they can do from a governmental and a policy point of view is to be more positive and say right this is what we're acting on this is what we laid out and I do think that is clear. You know, I do understand why we're in, a, you know, going into a second phase, but I don't know if their the time frame is, is big enough for them to learn. You know, if you're talking about if we were having to this conversation in 12 months time, then fair enough. You know, they have 12 months of data to look back on to think, right, we did this, this, this and this wrong. And this is what we need to do now. I don't think they know, Jack. I don't think that they have those answers to give. That's my own personal opinion. So. Um, I can understand your frustration, but I'm not sure I entirely agree that they, it, it, I don't. I don't think they know. Well, then I, I suppose I don't. I don't think they know, and they're therefore sat on it. I think there's some things that they just feel like, oh, that'd be that'd be toxic to articulate, and it's certainly something that I'm not saying that they need to deliver the 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 complexity and the jargon laden epidemiology and virology research. You know, I totally accept that we've got to try and translate stuff, and I'm in the business of of science translation. But it's more that the the nature of if something if something is uh, if something inherently isn't simple, but you're trying to sloganize it, then we need to see some progress in a direction or some evidence that that's working right yeah. um, that's all i'm meaning is that these are things of things that over time are becoming more measurable and and wh where are the successes you know where where is the progress um i think what i what i'm fascinated by with how it touches um healthcare business now is and, and it's where we can get to the msk private practice piece is that what we're what we're witnessing is that the differences the differences as we see it now in terms of how how contagious how it affects different portions of society how we can appropriately protect the effectiveness of, of ppe of, of the right quantity the fa and quality and, and all that sort of stuff that really matters with regards to how we engage with healthcare and also the downstream sequelae of non-covid situations and the amount of deaths that have occurred through other means outside of covid that massively matters as to how we should interface as an msk community and it changes the circumstance of what should be deemed urgent not just in terms of what we can legally see but what we should ethically be open to and what we should be continuing with care for that's what really matters and i don't think it, by having not had a smart conversation about that side of it right because it feels like you've only got you've got covid truthers that think it don't exist and then you've got people that why, why did we ever have you know ever open up anything more than basic shops ever again we should be just as locked down as we ever were and batting down the hatches and it just feels like the the middle ground feels like a really fraught place to talk and it just feels like if we can't have this sort of conversation about what has happened within the wider healthcare context and the mistakes like i said that you're saying they don't know the fact that they don't know is part of what i'm arguing is that it's embarrassing that they don't know if they don't know who does and if it's unknowable that's fascinating to me it just seems embarrassing that are we suggesting 
and that's why I say the system has not selected for high caliber individuals that are even vaguely bright enough to deal with this. That's what's fascinating to me. I just don't, it just seems, and, and I, I think that is part of it is that our structures and what selects for leaders and the fact that they just can talk a good game. You've got vaguely, vaguely character, charismatic person that can, can, can speak appropriate corporate legalese essentially then gets through to running departments or, or running organizations that then manage professionals, et cetera. And it just seems fascinating to me. So I think when I look at what I'm going to do, I'm going to comply within the law, but it's just that my patients in, in this clinic, that then the sense of when we were shutting down, not for legal reasons, but for ethical reasons initially, for anything other than you know, having to go completely virtual and stuff is in part because it was, there were so many unknowns around the virus and we also, you know, PPE shortages, not knowing how effective certain types of PPE are, et cetera, means that if someone's got an ongoing rehab for an OA need that's struggling for them to sleep in their own bed because it's that bad for them getting up and down the stairs, et cetera, and that the right care and, and, and compassion and reassurance within a rehab framework that they'd be seen and they're otherwise socially isolated, Initially, in in March, July time, well, sorry, March to May time, when it was the depths of it, it was something that, despite the fact that that there was clearly going to be a good healthcare intervention that could really enrich and improve their life and circumstance in that moment, it was on the balance of risk, unwise for them to see face to face MSK care, right? In that same circumstance now, hopefully different person, but let's say it's different person, but similar circumstances, I think on balance, despite that case not being as clinically urgent, the safety parameters that can be provided by us especially now means that it's, it's a low risk intervention in terms of COVID with high reward considering the sequelae on non-COVID features of the fact that this person might well otherwise be disabled and, 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 and other things that might affect their, their men, mental health and the fact that they're engage, unable to engage in exercise and the, the, the fear that they may have. That's the sort of analysis difference that seems relevant, that I'm just fascinated who amongst every level of the organisations or even people within them, who's speaking sensibly about that change in the risk assessment behaviour? Yeah, and I think that's what we all, I completely agree, and that's what we all would like, you know, more clarity and certainly more messaging about. I think it comes down to our own, again, clinical reasoning. We've said this a lot, but urgent care and urgent medical care, as we've, you know, seen over the past couple of days, and hopefully we will get further clarification on that actually, you know, we can stay open. I personally can't see any reason why that should change, um, because we are all assessing everybody that has a need for treatment, whether it be MSK or whatever. I certainly would not like to see a regression in that I think you're right somebody that was you know has a clinical need as an urgent has a number of scales on that whether that be a mental health issue that they're struggling with because they can't walk or actually an acute back pain problem I think this needs to be disseminated better I would hope that and as you've seen you know online a lot of clinics have already made a, a very sensible you know and a common sense decision to say that you know whatever the, the announcement or whatever the situation we will be staying open because we are a healthcare profession and they have said that, uh, uh, you know, you can still attend healthcare appointments. So a lot of practices are making that decision, whereas a lot of other people want further clarity. And I think a lot of other people, like you've said, would like further um, sources of these people uh, of status to actually say, yes, you can stay open. Yes, physio is. And I think what fascinates me, Jack, is that people, some need that. Some people want the exact specific, you know, <laughs> 
almost Boris to say, right, physiotherapists in private practice can do this. and Including home visits. Like <laughs> and, and, I, and, I, and I, you know, and in some ways I say that tongue in cheek, but I, I get that. And I think, I think I would love that, but let's get realistic. It, it isn't going to happen. And that's why, you know, we rely on public health income, whatever your view, to actually give specific policy and procedure. You know, the CSP have said that, you know, yes, we are waiting for clarification, but it's not them that make the decision. It's Public Health England. Now, obviously, you know, the government guidelines at the moment state that healthcare and urgent appointments like GPs can stay open. Now, if you're my understanding of that, as many would be that if you're providing a medical need, as you explained, you know, just previously, where you're providing a service to make somebody make somebody better from a healthcare point of view, whatever that may be, then that's that's allowed you know you, you're providing a medical need appointment um and i think it's just our interpretation of that jack and i think some people's anxiety quite rightly sort of takes over some people become very nervous and want to make sure that they're following everything right and that's absolutely okay but i think you know sometimes one just take a breath and actually understand that obviously we do need clarification in certain aspects and things will need to be double checked. That doesn't mean to say that you have to halt everything in the process. You know, we've this has been ongoing since March. Like you say, we went through all this. We were in a hugely different situation than we were. You know, everybody has worked really, really hard and has put everything in place. So for me, that is the big difference. You know, we are not the same situation as we were in March. We are in a different situation, which might just need a few things Dots and dotting the I's and crossing the T's. But in this whole sense, you must use your common sense and your clinical judgment about, you know, you've got a good setup, you're following all the advice, you've got current PPP. Can you clinically reason those appointments? And if you can, I personally don't think that there'll be a big change. Obviously, if we hear otherwise, we'll let no. you know. Well, I mean, I just, I, I so agree with that. And, and I, I feel like probably if we've got the time, we need to clip that little bit that you've just done there, Gemma, because that's totally, you know, I think a really key message. I suppose where I admit that there needs to be something beyond, because that's the, it's highly unlikely. And I think it'd be smart for everyone to, to think that, that we're going to be able to, on a legal level, do what you've just described, right? And it seems smart for us to be able to risk assess. And I also feel sorry for some of the organizations that feel like everyone's wanting them to just tell them what to do rather than to appropriately risk assess, et cetera. And, and I, I don't like the fist shaking that goes on uh, at, at the some of the powers that be on a local professional and industry level. I think that that's sometimes a bit clumsy. But I, um, I actually think that there's something a bit beyond that, though, that, that's relevant in terms of we know that even if we're allowed to stay open, consumer behavior is going to be very different unless we were to appropriately articulate, articulate I can't even articulate the word articulate, um, the, um, the way in which people should consider what they should consider appropriately urgent medical care and, and the consequences of things. And, and we've just we've, we've really missed an opportunity to talk about what it is, especially in an MSK context. What is the rehab skill set that MSK therapists have that is of a versatile versatile use to society right now in such a way that 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 that, that plays out and i just i just can't um, i can't see that that's where we've, we've we've taken up any opportunity to actually articulate that in such a way that we can then have a better sense of um of risk and what what the benefits are and what the other consequences non-covid consequences are of, of of inactivity i suppose on a, on a final thing and i noticed that the, the time's running short there gem is that i when i think about just on a physio level with the with the csp is that the way in which they're 
you know, no one is going to have known as much about their roles, responsibilities and constitution as I do, because it's part of my job is to know those things compared to random ass members. And I don't blame them for the fact that they've had some confusion over what they should and shouldn't do. But the, yeah. when people think, well, not only can I, yeah, okay, I can legally see people, but would I be insured to do so? And would I then end up in, in, in a complex case? Or if I was publicly shamed on a local uh, Facebook group about the fact that I'm open when I shouldn't be, is that something that there'd be any consequences to that if I was to be slandered? Or is it actually that I'm, I am going uninsured and it is ethically cavalier of me? There are people that are concerned about that, as well as the fact that in, on infrastructure level, the CSP having to understandably defer to some more specialised groups, say in physio first, of which far fewer are actual, actual members. So you volunteer as a physio to be a, a, a CSP member by, by paying fees. You then pay fees into a physio first if you wish. And in doing so, that's a fair play to what they've been doing. And they've, they've been doing their damned hardest. But that's a voluntary organization as a subgroup within the CSP, of which there's no, no mandatory reason for anyone being involved in that. And despite them doing their best, is that, is that the infrastructure that people want? Is that in this, especially in light of this situation, is that an appropriate thing that you've just got a, a voluntary group of, of therapists that are responsible for CSP, com, uh, um, C, CPD conferences, they're, they're involved in sort of standards and, and, and accreditation and stuff. And then suddenly it's being put on them to try and help make some uh, risk assessment decision making under, under a pandemic. It just seems a fascinatingly flawed model uh, for us to, to go about things within a system that there's, there's, there's plenty of fees that get paid on the macro. Uh, to organisations like that, it just seems so flimsy, and 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 that on any given moment you can feel sorry for the people in power, for, for the fact that there's sometimes an unex a bad expectation balance. But when for for years people, including myself, have have been saying that this is not fit for purpose and it wouldn't take much to shake it and help and make it fall down, that's where you end up in a situation where I, I end up being less sympathetic. On a moment-by-moment -moment basis, I'm incredibly sympathetic and see people working incredibly hard. But it's no fun, I told you so, for me, when you see these things come down. So I see a difference in frustration from us. I love your calming force and voice, Gem, and I want that to continue. And I, I suppose, but I also hope that it's not inappropriate for me to have articulated where, where I sit uh, with this at the moment. No, and I think it, you know, your echo, we just go, you know, and I can only go off the group that we've got, but we do have three and a half thousand people on there. And I think the last poll we did was that it was 75% sort of physio. So if you think from a CSP point of view, which obviously I'm, I'm, I'm involved with because that's my profession, um, I think your your views are echoed, Jack. And I think it's, it's unfortunate that we do seem to have a lot of frustration. I think there's a misconception that they have that this sort of registration format that, that, that you've just described. I don't think it's understood quite as well. I think some people look to them to sort of have all these answers and actually it's the Public Health England that set these standards and you don't have to be registered with them and this is the other misconception I think um, you know and I know Matt's sort of you know put something on here which I'll try and answer later in some of the comments that we won't have time for now but it's, it's not just physios that we're talking about Mike James put a lovely post on our group the other day about and maybe on the SIF group to say that this is a cross-professional sort of issue this you know the Covid doesn't just affect physiotherapists or allied health professionals there's massage therapists and sports therapists which maybe don't have the governance to be under that healthcare bracket that we do so for them 
much more complicated and I think it's challenging for them and I think there's a lot that we can do interprofessionally to support each other maybe more than we have been that's where I'm very passionate that's what the group's for I think we need to keep talking um, your comments are definitely echoed certainly in our group people feel very let down uh, from even just a messaging point of view but hopefully things will start to improve and we've just mm supporting and working together a bit more. yeah well we, let's i think we'll consider some special broadcasts and stuff in the group and i'll work with you on that as much as i can uh, obviously in the build-up to therapy life sport which is going to be a busy week for us as well which is exciting in many other ways and certainly where i uh, where i start to smile a little bit more but yeah i noticed the time sorry i'm running late and i'm, I'm meant to be in another meeting now with our friend andy so uh i best we best crack on thank you so much as ever for your time mate and uh we'll speak soon. no problem take care nice to speak to you jack cheers mate